Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Father God, I thank You that Your Word is living, active and well. I thank You for everything that You've done amongst us this morning, but I thank You You want to do more. And so, Lord God, we press on to take hold of the more right now in Jesus' Name. Let me share this from the book of Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul writes this in Philippians 3 verse 12, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that Scripture again in a moment, but I want to set the scene. We're launching into a new focus as a church that will carry for the next couple of weeks at least called Call to More. The idea here is that every single one of us, at whatever state you are in, you are actually uh, have the opportunity to live a called life, that there is a call on your life, an invitation from Jesus Himself to follow Him, be transformed Him, live for Him so He can empower you in to your divine destiny. We believe with all our heart that each, every single one of us matters and each and every one of us has a part to play in seeing the Kingdom of God extended in our time. That you are here and now, at this point in human history, positioned and placed by God in His grace to extend by His Spirit everything that He's placed in you. That you are called, you are called. It's not the man with the microphone. I do not believe that ministry is found in in the fact of how somebody holds a microphone. Ministry is found in how somebody lives their life. How they conduct themselves in a way that is genuine and honest that even as they stumble and fall, they reach out and grab hold of Jesus so He can propel them on. See, I'm convinced that this word, the grace of God has a dual meaning. According to the original word that's written in Greek, it means unmerited favour of God. Absolutely. You have the grace of God extended to you. You do not need to be perfect to receive the grace of God. You just need to be willing. But the grace of God doesn't stop there. That's the invitation. The grace of God extends in a dual meaning. It's almost like you flip the coin and it means enabling power. Not only are you given an opportunity that deep down, if I can just speak personally for myself, I do not deserve. I've done nothing to earn it. Everything is just dirty rags. But I receive it because God wants to give it. But in receiving it, then He enables me by His grace to live up to it. The journey of Jesus is one of transformation and change. That as you grow, you become more who you were created to be. I believe with all my heart, every single one of us have a calling and are called to more. And here in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul is uncovering what it means or the importance of the reality that we must live in light of that calling. And that if we lose sight of it, we lose sight of who we really are. He's writing this book, this man, who often is called the Apostle Paul, as if that's a title. It wasn't a title, it was a function. The word apostle simply means a sent one. It's an assignment. 
It's not a title. We, we, we think too much in titles. We think too much of life is found, whether I have this title or that. I don't care if you call me Pastor Chris or Chris. Pastor is not a title, it's a function. It's a grace. And so the Apostle Paul, that's not his name. His name's Paul. But his assignment was to be one sent by God to go into places that others couldn't, others wouldn't, to empower people to live for Jesus. That's why he's called the Apostle. He's a sent one. And he writes this book called Philippians. And it's called Philippians because it's written to a church in a city called Philippi. And he's writing it in a very unique circumstance. He's actually under house arrest. Much worse than anything we experienced during the COVID lockdown. He's there basically in chains at home with Roman guards often around him. And he's awaiting or expecting potentially his execution. Now, Paul has not peddled anything. He hasn't organised any hits against people. He used to do that before he knew Jesus, but he repented and changed his ways. So there's hope for everybody. Come on. Thomas, do we need to unpack something at the end of the service? (laughs) He's left the old behind. He's actually come new. But in that new, he's lived a life of calling. And that calling has led him to prison. And you think, God, where is your goodness in this? He's writing this letter. And that's what the book is. It's actually a letter to a church. And the key theme that comes out, if you were to read it yourself, is joy. And that makes no sense. He's actually expecting that at some point they're going to drag him out and execute him. Why? Didn't peddle anything, didn't organise hits. Why? Because he's been telling people about Jesus and who Jesus is. Think how dangerous it is for the world to be switched on for the glory of God and how much people want to oppress it. Now we live in a culture where I'm not locked up for preaching Jesus. You will not be locked up for preaching Jesus. But we do come under pressure and intimidation to shut up and shut down. Now I would never ask any one of you to go get a soapbox and go up and down the street and randomly scream and heckle. But I would ask that the life that you live is the message that you portray. And I know it's under pressure. I know you feel the resistance, especially as you choose to follow Jesus for yourself. I know that you're bucking against the trends and all I wanna encourage you is that you are called for a time such as this. That as you press on and take hold of all that of which Jesus Christ has taken hold of you, you actually get to live out the life that you were born to live. Which isn't found in a title, isn't found in anything superficial or basic and anything that is going to perish. It's found in the reality that you are called for so much more. The here and now becomes the there and the yet to come. There is more. So the Apostle Paul writes this letter and I read it already, but I gotta say it again. In Philippians 3 12, he gets to this part. He's locked up. He doesn't know what may come. And he writes this. Not that I've already obtained all this. All this, he's been talking about why he's been working and serving and sacrificing. And he's cast the picture of the bigness of God 
And in particular, what God has invited him and us into. And he starts out with this thought, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived. Can I just submit to you today, it's okay if you feel like you haven't arrived. Can I submit that if the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, pioneered countless churches, instigated the body of Christ moving into areas that have not yet been reached before, that if the Apostle Paul would say that he has not yet arrived, it's okay for you to feel like you haven't arrived yet. Could I even submit to you that that's almost normal in the Christian walk? Because the truth is you are living as a pilgrim and a sojourner and an adventurer in a world that is not your own. You're called to heaven. You're actually called to bring heaven to earth. And there will always be a sense if you're living a life of calling that there is more. That I have not quite reached it. My son Liam came to me yesterday. He bounces up. He's almost as tall as me. His hair is flowing. (laughs) He comes up and he tells me, Dad, I've been playing Fortnite. And I stopped trying to play Fortnite about eight years ago. And he says, in Fortnite, they have these concerts that come on and there's rappers and this and that. And he said, do you know what the latest concert was? And he sort of scrunches up his nose at me. And he starts singing a song. And and I can't sing, but I'm going to sing it. He says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And it's a U2 song from 1987. And he looks at me and he says, that song just won't go away. You know why? Because it's true. It's okay to feel like you're looking for more because you're built for more and you're created for more and there is more for you. Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this, I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on, press on. I'm not talking about switching a button on here, people. I'm talking about that resilience that says, come what may, I'm moving forward. Come what pressure, come what I'm up against. Come that sense of resistance. I lean into the resistance and I press on because greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world that you are called to more. And if you're facing resistance in that more, can I just say that's normal? That means you're on the right track often. It's the craziest thing that we often say in church that if you're in the will of God, everything's gonna go well for you. That is a total misunderstanding of the brokenness of the world that we're in. The most difficult time, oh, sorry, the second most difficult time that I faced in my entire life happened when my wife and I were on missions in Cambodia. And we ran out of support financially. We were living by faith. People giving us money to live over there and serve as missionaries. And the global financial crisis hit and we were living off rice and garlic for weeks. My little boy Liam, who is now bouncing and is nearly as tall as me, was one years old and I could not afford to buy a $10 birthday cake. We were so hard up that a 50 cent coffee, I would stretch out over three days. Now I wouldn't buy the coffee and drink it over three days. I would buy a 50 cent coffee every three days because I couldn't afford it. And we couldn't afford to put fuel in our motorcycle. So I borrowed a friend's bicycle and I got around the city of Phnom Penh on a bike. Called my parents and said, we've made a mistake. Obviously, obviously we didn't listen to God well enough and choosing to pack out our lives and move to Cambodia. 
And my pastor at the time pulled me aside at the service and says, I love you, I believe in you. You can either take this as a season of testing or a season of transition. You decide what it is. And my wife and I said, you know what? This must be a season of testing. We're gonna press in. And that evening at church, we were walking back and forth, praying, praying. I felt like a chain broke over my head. And the next day, my dad is walking through my hometown and meets a local business owner who hasn't seen me for years and just happens to mention, where is Chris? And dad says, where? And that day we had sent over to us $40,000. When would the breakthrough had happened if we'd given up? I know you feel like giving up at times. I know, I know, I know, I know, because sometimes I still feel like it too. Might not be living off rice and garlic anymore, but I feel like pulling back, shutting down and shutting up. Feel like it's too hard. But the Apostle Paul is in jail and he's writing that there is more. So press on. Press on through it all because you get to build the future with God. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Can I invite the worship team to come and join me? Can I say this to you today? That Jesus took hold of you first. Do you know the reality is that when Jesus went to His followers, if you read it early in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you'll see how He invited people to join Him on the journey. He would give the invite simply by going up to people in their day to day, tax collectors, fishermen, people going around doing whatever they're doing. He wasn't looking for perfect people. He was just simply looking for people that were willing to say yes. So the perfect God takes what we are and perfects us along the way. And Jesus said, come, follow me. And he turned around and walked. Jesus does not chase. He does not wrangle. He does not beg. He does not plead. He invites. He invites because He knows exactly who you are called to be and how you're called to live. And if we respond to the invitation, even in the midst of the uncertainty, the lack of clarity, He changes us as we go. He has taken hold of you first. Take hold of Him. There is more. I've broken my promise. I'm nearly about to go over time. But I have to finish the thought. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Oh, There's this thought that comes out already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. You've already received everything you need for life and godliness, but yet you're still working it out. Already, but not yet. Already, but not, that's good. That's how you know you're growing. There's still more. Can I say to you today, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, the adventure, is there ready and waiting for you to launch into?
Can I say to you, if you have started following Jesus recently and that initial passion and expectation is starting to die down because of the pressures of the world that are coming in, can I say to you, press on, there's more. Can I say to you today, if you've been following Jesus for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, come on, 40 years, can I say to you today, there is more. Not yet, but already. It's okay. Because as you go, you grow. And matters, it matters so much what you choose to do. Because you are called to live out your own salvation with fear and trembling. All any of us can do is to spur one another on and say, come on, I'm there with you. But nobody can make it happen except for our own individual choice that says, I want more. I want more than the here and now. I want more than what was, what was given to me. Can I just say to you, some of you have received an inheritance. There was not a godly inheritance. There's an inheritance of the brokenness of the world that you've been brought up in. Ways of acting, ways of responding, ways of treating. They do not reflect the heart of God. Now is the time to start laying them aside and say, God, would You change me as I go? Renew me, restore me, renovate me. Change is possible. I'll rage against the lie that people don't change. Can I just say to you, I believe with all my heart people do. It's a lie that people don't. Everybody changes. You either get better or you get worse. That's it. Nobody stays the same. You either get healthier or you get unhealthier. Everybody changes. And some of us are carrying around the, per- the hurt of yesterday and we're bringing the hurt of yesterday into now and that's causing us to lose sight of what we're called into. Listen to what Paul says. If I can get this working. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Come on, can I tell you the one thing? Can I give you the one key for moving forward in life? But one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Can I give you the one thing? Let go of what was to press on to what will be. One thing, let go of what was to press on to what will be. Because if you don't, you will be dragging all the baggage of the stuff to hinder harm and hold you back into the here and now and you don't need to. It's okay. I know stuff has been done to you. I know stuff has happened, but you are not defined by what has happened to you. You are defined by who God is calling you to be. And He's not done with you yet. Can I show you some pictures? We have a church member right now, younger brother of members in our congregation right now, who received Jesus here on this altar, I believe when Fridge, Fridge, raise your hand for people that don't know you. The bearded handsome man up the front, prayed for him here, I think it was around the beginning of November. His story is that his brother and his family have been praying for him for a long time. And he finally came to church and he finally responded to Christ. And he received Christ, even though, I know I'm speaking for him here, 
But the reality is he found it hard to comprehend, but he couldn't deny it. That's often how it starts. I don't know how to put it into words, I just know it. And he encountered God. But the hilarious thing is just as he encounters God, he had accepted a contract to go to Papua New Guinea to provide security for a compound and that he was gonna honour that contract, which has taken him away from here for a number of years. So in my way of raging against resistance, his brother and I have been hosting almost regular weekly video calls where we're going through the Gospel of Mark together and talking about what it means to follow Jesus. His name's Caleb. Caleb is free to process the journey, which means that he's working it out as he goes. Caleb's over there, recently received Jesus. I don't know if you follow the news, there's Caleb with some of the tribal men that he works with for security. He's not holding his gun there, but sometimes he's packing a gun. And it's because the part of the world that he's in is a part of the world that has been ruled by lawlessness. Very, 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 very dangerous, very broken. So Caleb sometimes would message me on Sundays, even while we're here in services and say, I'm sitting out just praying on the veranda and I just can't explain, I feel the presence of God. This is Caleb's story, but it's part of our story because he's an extension of us. We don't do church, we are church. Caleb's over there in Papua New Guinea, not sent by us, but sent on mission because he accepted something, but then Jesus hijacked his adventure. So he messaged me a few weeks ago, if we can go through some of the pictures. There's access to the compound. There we go, there's one of the churches, I think in the villages there. A lot of security needed to protect people. Very dangerous. Villages around markets. It's just his day to day. Messaged me and said, hey, I've sort of realised that people don't have Bibles over here. Follow Jesus, there's three churches in the community. Nobody has a Bible. He messaged me out of the blue, what would it look like for us to get Bibles to every family? I said, how many do you think? I think I need a thousand Bibles. Let's do it. Let's do it. So right now, Tanya Hopkins, who's one of our spiritual oversight team members and key leaders, I believe she's out in Kids Church at the moment, is researching how we can get Bibles into that village. And I hope within the next two weeks to come before you and say, Church, this is how much it's going to cost. Can we do it? And we'll do as much as we can. I want to do a thousand. So we honour that call. Children's Bibles and adult Bibles, and we're working hard to get it in their language. Yeah. Who knows it doesn't work just to drop a language that people don't understand on them. Why are we doing this? Because we believe that the call of God goes far beyond any role or any title. It goes into a responsibility. Leave what was behind, press on to what is yet to come. Can I say to you, one of the most damaging things that was ever said to me when I was a new Christian is I was at a youth event and somebody called me up the front and they started prophesying. And to this day, I do not know if it was a true prophetic word. 
I think they were just tapping into the culture of the day. They said, Chris, you're gonna preach in front of stadiums and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I remember how that sort of mucked me up and it made me want the microphone rather than serving Jesus in the places where people didn't notice you. And it took me years to come out of that and lay that aside and say, Lord, what is most powerful is that I have the honour of journeying with people in their brokenness. That I sit with the father who lost his son. That I sit with the couples that are working through what it means to be married. That I'm able to do the stuff behind the scenes that nobody ever notices because that is what we're called to, to make a difference in the here and now. Can I just say to you, and I, I said that story so I can present to you, your calling is not dependent on what you do in a Christian service. Your calling is dependent on how you live in following Jesus for yourself. We don't do church, we are church. And I wanna seal the deal and I apologise for going over time a few minutes. It matters. We've launched into a whole brand new season. Today was a season shift. And I wanna invite you to be a part of it. Sundays matter to me because Sundays mean that we're building, 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 building. But what we're building isn't services, it's people. (laughs) We're not building a meeting, we're building people. And I desperately want you to know that there is a calling on your life. And I know right now you might be sitting there saying, I don't know what that is. I got no idea. That's, I understand. Could you let go of all expectation and grab hold of the reality that a calling goes beyond roles or responsibility goes into a burden. I want to make a difference here. And if you can tap into that, maybe you're called right now in this season to create the greatest family environment you can because you know what it's like to not experience that. That's a calling. Maybe you in your role, in your job, you're struggling for purpose in it and you feel like God's forgotten you. Can I just say to you, even while in Babylon, God can cause you to thrive. So give the job to Him and all the stress and all the expectation, lay it before Him and say, what are you doing in me through this? And then tap into that. You are called. You're called for so much more. Some of you, this year, you're called to start connect groups. You've been thinking, man, I just feel so disconnected. Do you know why God's allowed you to feel that? And let me just say, sorry, I don't want anybody to feel disconnected in our church, but maybe God's allowing you to feel that because you know what it feels like to be on the outside so you can be the solution for somebody who does. So you can stand in the gap and say, I felt this and I'm gonna do whatever I can. Come on, frustration is not always bad. We always try to run away from frustration as if there's, now frustration sometimes highlights what God's actually wanting to do in us and the difference that He's calling us to make. You matter, because here's the truth. A healthy church is built up of as many people that are willing to click together, form together and build as one what God is calling us to be. And let me just say to you, there is more. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.